from Podcast One. Coming up in this episode of Target USA. We've been talking a lot about cyber attacks, and the U.S. is on the front line of all of that. But the cyber war machine, how these attacks take place and how to defend against them is something everybody around the world is talking about. We see offensive capability as a normal part of defensive strategy. And more and more countries are gearing up to develop and use cyber weapons. And Tanel Sepp, head of the Estonian Ministry of Defense's cyber programs, says having a defensive program with no offensive capability is useless. So what do those weapons look like? Now imagine a military parade. You have a podium with officers and generals all saluting the troops. But instead of troops, you have laptops on tracks. The future of cyber warfare, coming up on this edition of Target USA. The National Security Podcast. From WTOP in Washington, D.C., this is Target USA. Russia could render huge harm to this country. North Korea's secret missile capable of reaching the whole of the United States. Dangerous terrorist. DC is repeatedly mentioned as someplace they would like to seek an attack. Cyber criminals. Decryption successful. America has a target on its back. And on this program, we investigate the threats, the people behind them, the agencies fighting them, and the impact on you. This is Target USA, the National Security Podcast. I'm J.J. Green. Every country on the planet is thinking about one thing, the next step in the progression of cyber warfare. And there is a disconnect that the U.S. seems to have been stuck in for several years. People all around the country and on Capitol Hill have been raising the issue of more and better cybersecurity practices and cyber warfare capabilities for more than a decade. But very little appears to be getting done. Each day, judging from the people I've spoken to on this very podcast, we draw closer to the prospect of full-scale cyber warfare between nation-states, and it seems that the urgency about this is simply not there. Here's an exchange between Maine Senator Angus King and James Robb, President and Chief Executive Officer of the North American Electric Reliability Corporation on February 14th of this year. There's a weird calmness about this hearing. (laughs) This is not calm. The Russians are already in the grid, are they not, Mr. Robb? Robb didn't respond to that question, but the exchange continued. Well, there, are, there, are, there were news reports from a year ago of the Department of Homeland Security releasing, releasing screenshots of Russian hackers in the, in the SCADA system. Is that not true? Again, I'm not in a position to, to talk with Well, Can you comment on a public story of something released by the Department of Homeland Security? Uh, no. You can hear the frustration. So bottom line, King is worried. A lot of people are worried. Because the march toward offensive cyber capabilities is continuing. Russia, according to King, is already there. Other nation states, adversaries of the U.S., are already there. More and more countries are developing offensive cyber capabilities. One of those countries, Estonia. Which, arguably, if anyone needs a robust cyber war machine, they do. Being at the very front line of the West's 
quiet war with Russia. So what are their tools? What's their plan? What's their timeline? On this program, we talk with Tanel Sepp. He's the director of cybersecurity policy for Estonia's Ministry of Defense. Well, um, I cannot give you the exact number of personnel, obviously. Yes. Uh, but we are talking about uh, uh, in hundreds. Um, what we are doing, uh, or how we have built it up right now, is is um, is that Cyber Command's main mission is to carry out cyber cyber operations to support the overall defense and and command. And the cyber operations, this this. Um, are divided into four. So these are cyber defensive operations, cyber offensive operations, um, info- information operations, as well as uh, communication and, and IT uh, services provision. So we have put everything together into one big basket. Um, this is um, mainly because we are, we are a small country. So we need to find these this efficiencies, how to make sure that, that with a small amount of people, small amount of money, we can still do uh, what, what is expected from us. The four things, defensive, offensive, I.O., information operations, and communications. Do you do a lot of offensive? Not yet. This is a capability that we are building up. But let me say this also here. We see offensive capability as a normal part of defensive strategy. If, if I put that in a kinetic world, mm-hmm. you buy a tank for, for, to defend yourself. Cybersecurity, without the offen- offensive part, would be having a tank without the turret and the gun. Mm-hmm. So we need to have the possibility to really defend us. Mm-hmm. And only defensive measures are not enough in cyber world, like in a normal world also. Now, is that because of the amount of cyber operations or, 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 or cyber attacks that take place against Estonia or against anyone? Is that, is that the reason why you say that, 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 that an offensive capability is necessary because of the, the number or the amount of, 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 of activity, criminal activity or otherwise, out there? Well, the the increase in, in cyber malicious cyber activity malicious. it's evident everywhere. Um, I mean, we were the first country to suffer uh, uh, from nationwide cyber attacks in two thousand seven, and uh, that was actually wake wake up call for us. Um, we were already then uh, quite quite uh, dependent on uh, different e-solutions, e-governance. People were used to using internet and, and, and this interaction with the government through internet. And then 2007, it was clearly politically motivated attacks. Uh, we, we lost, uh, us as Estonian people, we lost access to banking sector, to media, to uh, some of the ministries, uh, servers were down. Uh, it, was, it was quite quite an event. Uh, but at the same time, it, we say that uh, it was disruptive and not destructive. Mm-hmm. And we actually managed to get, get up again. I mean, our enemies can, can force us to our knees, but we, 
what is real our ability is to get up quickly. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of part of our resilience. Um, these attacks in 2007, so these were uh, this DDoS attacks or mm-hmm. uh, distributed denial of service attacks. And these, these were not too sophisticated, I would say. Yeah. Today, we can see almost every day these kind of attacks. Of course, we have developed. And, and this is one thing that uh, I, I can easily say that the Estonian government has been doing right. We just did not identify the lessons mm-hmm. from 2007, but we really learned this. So building up uh, our first uh, uh, national cybersecurity strategy next year, then that was in 2008. And now we are already in, in our third iteration mm-hmm. and really thinking beyond. We're, we're, we're thinking about how to preserve this, this uh, society, like e-society, how, um, how, to, uh, how to deal with, uh, with the R&D issues. Um, and, and again, in, in the new, new environment, how to better protect Estonian and uh, Estonia and Estonia's interests. Mm-hmm. The nuts and bolts. Um, ballpark figure of what your budget looks like for something like that, um, you know, percentage-wise in terms of the overall defense department's, uh, you know, I don't need an actual number, but I'm uh, just, you know, some idea. Is, is cyber like uh, half or a quarter or 50% or 20% or 10%? Just, I'm trying to get an idea of just how important cyber is against the rest of whatever the Ministry of Defense has to deal with. That is a difficult question. And I'm, I'm not able to give you a certain percentage here. Mm-hmm. Because um, uh, if you take any, any um, defense budgets in, in different countries, then you're all already dealing with, uh, with this... Uh, Kind of kinetic effects. You, you take uh, any rockets that could cost uh, hundreds of thousands. Uh, uh, you take uh, the, the fighter jets that, that cost uh, millions. So, and in comparison, you might take uh, just a one server park that could cost a half a million. Mm-hmm. Um, so, the, the, these um, proportions are just too different cost-wise. So, so in this sense, I would not compare it to, uh, to the overall uh, defense budget. Yeah. I guess, Mr. Sepp, my question is, a lot of what happens in the cyber world is invisible yes. to the, you know, the, to the naked eye. You know, it's, 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 it's a man-made domain that, you know, we don't see. But in the kinetic world, as you mentioned, there are tanks, there are airplanes, there are people, there are weapons. So I'm trying to get an idea of... Uh, <coughs> How, what's in this? What's in the cyber defense world um, that you uh, that you work in, and how it compares to the rest of? It doesn't have to be budget numbers or figures. I'm just trying to get a good look at what you know. What's what's in that world? Uh, two points here. First, um, your question reminds me of one cartoon. Um, of what? One cartoon. A cartoon? Uh, yeah, it's a Sony cartoon. <laughs> Um, and it's on the, the webpage of uh, Estonian Defense League, and they have their own voluntary cyber defense unit. And on this defense unit's webpage, uh, you can find this cartoon. Now, imagine a, a military parade. You have a podium, 
with officers and generals all saluting their troops. But instead of troops, you have laptops on tracks. And, and that's, uh, that's really a, a good picture in a sense that even, it, even I, I, I think it was, it was drawn as a, as a kind of joke or of, of fun, fun picture, but it really shows reality. the reality and, and, and the, uh, what you were asking. How do you visualize cybersecurity? If politicians during a campaign, they, they say that, yes, I will commit to cybersecurity, I will spend uh, half a million dollars on cybersecurity, or a million dollars, five million dollars, how do you prove that afterwards? How can the constituents uh, take that, that politician uh, to, to his or her word? Mm-hmm. I don't know that. But at the same time, you can still look it uh, through, through uh, the resilience. How secure is your system? What, what's the number of, of, uh, of successful attacks and, and, and how you deal with that? So, um, yeah, that is one part of here. The second point that I want to make is that our goal is really kind of to create this larger ecosystem here. If we first take the military domain, we have our cyber command, we have uh, our uh, cyber range, and cyber range is this normal range. You would have a, a shooting range in, in the kinetic world. Well, c- cyber tools you need to also test in a protected environment. So we have our uh, quite capable cyber range that we have offered also for NATO. Uh, we have the NATO's um, Cyber Defense Center of Excellence host uh, that is in Estonia, and uh, we are a framework nation for that. Um, we have also academia that deal with different topics. We have, um, I mentioned the Cyber Defense Units at the Defense League, that's a voluntary organization. And then we have also our industry. So putting all this together, mm-hmm. this is an ecosystem for us. Okay. where uh, we can provide different services for also uh, foreign companies uh, to our uh, allies. Um, and then this is what we really want to drive for. So that besides building our own capabilities that we could offer also for, for, for our friends. Because through this more extensive cooperation, we can also gain more for our defense. Mm-hmm. Do you look at your cyber command as um, in, in the same way as you look at your army? Um, I mean, it's, it, it is its own command, uh, and it's viewed that way, its own division of the, the Department of Defense, not a subdivision or something. It, it's an integral part of uh, Estonian Defense Forces. The, the cyber commander uh, reports directly to our uh, chief of defense. Okay. But um, at the same time, I have to say, cyber is, is, in, is in its essence, I would say, slightly different. Um, because cyber affects every other branch. Right. Right. That's what I thought. So, and at the same time, it still needs to be kind of a separate tool in the toolbox. Um, and I'm back, uh, what we are right now doing also through, uh, through our capability development, we are writing also different 
different documents for the Cyber Command to operate. And and one of these, these main things that, that I think many countries struggle and that we are facing also right now is, is, is how to really integrate cyber into military planning and operations. And the, the question here is, is, is not just some, some documents that you put cyber, uh, you just insert the word cyber into different places, but how to really change the mentality, how to make uh, the leadership both military and political leadership understand what could be the cyber effects, where they should invest. Because cyber capabilities are not cheap. Developing any specific tool takes time, takes resource. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, once you deploy a certain tool, it might be obsolete the next second. So you really need to look at this cost, cost effect benefit. Yeah. This whole world of yours is so complex, but at the same time, it's very simple. You have to be able to engage in the cyber world. You have to understand it, you know, to to see it. Uh, and you know, once you see it, then you once you visualize it, then you have to, I suppose, think about adversaries and their capabilities and that requires research and as you said development etc so what is the most difficult part of the work right now for you and your team that is a good question finally <laughs> no, finally no 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 you've had an excellent question so far um, I think it is about managing everything and we we do not have many people Again, I'm coming back to, to this resource issue that um, money is one resource and um, money can be obtained. Um, if you have good ideas, especially in cyber field, it, it's feasible. You can, you can get additional money also, either from, from, from outside sources or, or elsewhere. But the, the point is here, people. Sorry? The point here is about people. About people. How to how to get qualified people and we, we can't, I, I cannot expect any experienced person to work for me because there is not such, such experience yet. Um, we were talking about developing cyber policies, different regulations, um, and this is, this is not a technical topic. You need to understand a bit that, that technology, you need to be interested in technology. But putting that on a kind of political level, you don't have to speak. Mm -hmm. So I think one of these key challenges is, is to educate enough people to, um, to make sure that, that we have successors to us, that we have enough people to understand this. And um, this this translates also uh, to uh, to higher levels. Because one of one of these uh, tasks that we still continue to we still need to continue to do is is to translate cyber into a language that is un understandable to politicians. Mm -hmm. I've seen on many occasions when people meet and, on high levels and and. Uh, both agree that yes, cyber is important. Let's take another topic. 
And is that because they don't really understand, they really haven't, don't have the ability to envision it or visualize it? I believe that they understand that cyber is important, but they don't comprehend how. Mm. And sometimes some people think that cyber is just too technical. That, that, uh, let's leave that for, for the techies to, to talk about. But no, cyber is not just a technical issue. It has real effects on politicians also and, and on how politicians need to decide. So how, Mr. Sepp, do you make that clear to them? How do you explain that to them? How do you show them that? That is a perfect question because I think... I'm getting better. Because I think we, we have found a formula. Huh? Um, in the second half of 2017, um, Estonia had the, the presidency role of, of, the, of the European Union, or the, actually the Council of the European Union. And uh, everybody was expecting us to do something exciting in cyber, also from M- MOD, and, and we were thinking hard. And, and finally, we came up uh, with, a, with the idea to do a cyber exercise for ministers of defense. It was a bold idea because we knew that also the, the high representative, uh, Federica Mogherini, would be in Estonia, the Secretary General of NATO would be attending that, the same meeting, but we did it. And uh, I think our success was in, in finding the the right questions to pose to the ministers. We presented them um, a scenario. We, we explained the effects, how, what cyber has on different things. And then we asked two main questions. First one was, how do you assess the situation? Because that is a political question, actually. And based on the information that, they gave, that we gave them, they had to choose. We gave them uh, multiple choice. So they had to pick the most relevant. The second question was, how do you communicate that? Again, the right question to politicians, because they are the voice outside. So it was quite interesting to, to see when we posed these questions on several times throughout the scenario, I mean, it was, it was an escalating situation. And we saw that already at one point, uh, some ministers thought that, that uh, let's say, a ransomware attack was already, could be already classified as, a, a, as an armed attack. Hmm. And now this is, an, this is really interesting. They had a choice from just uh, a technical glitch to armed attack, all these different kinds of choices. But they saw how this attack effect, affected critical infrastructure, for example. And they considered, at least some ministers considered that to be an armed attack. Mm-hmm. And the aftermath of that, I mean, that if you decide something to be an armed attack, that opens up different doors. But that takes also boldness. So, one of the conclusions we had there was that you constantly talk about this gap between politicians and technicians. But this exercise actually showed that there's a gap also between politicians and officials. Because if you had officials playing that game, you would not have got to, uh, let's say, this armed attack choice. 
So we uh, we worked hard on 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 building up this exercise, uh, uh, and and afterwards uh, we heard uh, really good feedback also from the ministers that it was really useful. That finally somebody really took them to to exercise these kind of things and then explained what was happening. In that regard, you made a bold move and it paid off because you actually were able to get these folks to see what they needed to do uh, to deal with some of the nastiest of cyber threats that are out there. So that brings me to my next question, and that is, um, what's the origin of some of the biggest threats that you're seeing right now? Where are they coming from? Well, I, I can easily direct you to um, to the um, yearbooks of um, of the Foreign Intelligence um, Agency. That's the mm. uh, Foreign Intelligence. The annual report. Yes. Service. Yeah. Uh, sorry. Yeah. Foreign yeah. Intelligence Service. The That's 20, the English the 2019. Name. 2018. It just came out a few months ago. Yeah. Mm. I saw that. You can also look at the yearbook of Estonian Information System Authority. You can uh, look at the yearbook of uh, Estonian uh, Internal uh, Security Service. They all look at the same direction. They show that the threat vector. Mm-hmm. That's coming from Russia. That is clear. Of course, we, we have attacks also from, from different other countries like, like China. But with any cyber attack or a cyber campaign, uh, you would also need to look at the context. Uh, We haven't had uh, two friendly relations with Russia throughout the years, despite our efforts. Um, So that's, that's already that should give you the political context. Mm-hmm. That they, that's, uh, you would not have a major cyber attack without, without any motive. There has to be some motive there. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- th- this, this is, uh, I think that the best answer uh, I can give you because Clearly, when we look at, at our region and the, the, the geopolitical picture, the security picture, where are, where are different division lines, then obviously we're looking at Russia. Mm-hmm. Give us a sense of the level of threat from it. Is it. Are these high-level attacks? Are these sophisticated attacks? Or are they just bothersome? Um, how would you describe the threat activity? I would say that um, it's nothing abnormal. Um, we, we haven't had anything... I mean, sorry, uh, during the, the, the past year, I mean, or let's say, let's go even a bit more back. If we take the, the election intrusion in the, in the US, uh, if, if we take the, the, the case in, 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 the, in the Netherlands, just recently, when the, when, the, when the card guys trying to uh, uh, trying to get into the Wi-Fi networks there with all the equipment, um, we I mean, 
you don't see any news about these kind of activities. So, um, so no, nothing, nothing really abnormal. Which doesn't mean that that's, that we should lose our vigilance. Of course, we we're looking constantly, mm-hmm. and uh, and we're working. In the whole Estonia, with the different authorities that we have that deal with cybersecurity, we're, we're looking closely together. And and one of the things that, that we, we we will be doing now, as a, some of the next steps is is to make sure that that uh, we have we have better picture. We have a better understanding of what's going on, and at the same time, uh, there's a, there's one key aspect also in, in this that we have not touched upon yet. That's the international cooperation. I mean, cybersecurity you, you cannot do it alone. Yeah. And um, and we put a lot of evidence, uh, emphasis on on working with uh, some of the closest partners that we have. And um, and we have also identified this this key partners with whom we really want to have more substantive, more more close cooperation. And uh, clearly, the U.S. is one of these uh, yeah. these partners here. That, Mr. Sepp, was going to be my next question, and I'll make it my next and last question: Is uh, how would you assess the cooperation with the U.S.? Uh, what are you actually cooperating on? Uh, how often? How? Deep does the cooperation go? Um, what What are the commitments there? Okay, for Estonia, cooperation with the U.S. has been vitally important since we regained independence. We we we've seen so many different uh, U.S. Uh, U.S. troops and U.S. equipment and and, and presence here throughout the years. Um, and, and on cyber right now. I would say that our cooperation is more and more practical, pragmatic. Mm-hmm. Um, we have gone beyond this a long time ago. We've gone beyond this just just political cooperation, where we meet and just talk about things and and, uh, and say that yes, uh, we see some attacks from Russia. Do you see also some attacks from Russia? Yes, we do. I mean, this is all history. We're doing practical cooperation. And at the same time, I mean, this practical cooperation that goes with the, with the U.S. Eurocom, and and uh, we work closely with the with the UCOM in in Germany. But um, there's one special partnership. Estonia has had a partnership with the Maryland since uh, 1993. That's when the state partnership program was established, and the Baltic countries were the were the first ones to join it. That's Tanel Sepp. He's director of cyber policy at the Estonia Ministry of Defense. This conversation is very revealing and enlightening, and it's much more transparent than any other conversation that we've had with anyone in the U.S. or any other country around the world. We're going to hear more about the Maryland National Guard and its relationship with Estonia as we move deeper into the year. But in the meantime, That's going to do it for this week's program. Coming up on our next episode, North Korea's launched more missiles, and by all accounts, Kim Jong-un appears to be continuing to work on his nuclear arsenal. He's building a nuclear arsenal to tell the international community, indeed the United States and South Korea, Japan, that nobody should mess with us. 
That's Ambassador Joe Detrani, former U.S. Special Envoy for the six-party talks with North Korea. He, better than almost anyone, knows what's at stake, what North Korea's thinking, what the options are, and more importantly, what the course should be for dealing with North Korea. That's coming up on our next episode. If you have any questions or comments, send me an email at jgreen at wtop.com. That's the letter J, the color green, one word, at Whiskey Tango Oscar Papa, jgreen at wtop.com. Also, follow us on Twitter at TUSA Podcast. That's at Tango Uniform Sierra Alpha Podcast. And don't forget to sign up for our newsletter. It's called Inside the Skiff. And that's where you get all the latest national and international security news once a week. It happens on Thursday, but you can only get it if you sign up. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. Thanks for your time. I'm very grateful that you've given it to us. Deeply appreciative of it. We'll talk to you next time. I'm J.J. Green, and this is Target USA. The National Security Podcast. The hit podcast based on the Emmy-nominated A&E series Cold Case Files is back with new episodes on Podcast One. Listen to powerful stories of crimes almost forgotten by the passage of time with interviews of people involved as investigators shine a new light on these cases and bring those responsible to justice. Download new episodes of Cold Case Files every Tuesday on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Now, stay tuned for the latest headlines from the Associated Press.